Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope you're all doing well. It is May 11, 2021. Um, as always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate all of the listens and follows um, as I continue to, you know, get out early morning and evening and do these uh, segments. So. Appreciate all the support, and um, definitely we'll continue to try to keep putting out some great uh, thoughts and you know perspectives out there, so you all uh, definitely learn something. And also appreciate uh, just the way that sports is and continues to be um, in so many different ways. So I'm throwing in a lot of different uh, you know things to keep you guys uh, engaged and interested, and I hope that I'm doing a good job of that. So, I'm going to start today's episode by talking about one of my favorite sports, and that is the NFL. As I had mentioned last week, the NFL schedule releases on the way. First time we'll have a 17-game schedule. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation for that because it's football, um, and when that gets going, it's just like boom, boom. want to watch it, watch it, watch it, and see all these players and see what goes on. So, that's one thing. Um... But in today's episode, I just want to talk about a couple of quarterbacks that I believe um, like this is a make or break year. And what I mean by that is, you know, some of the quarterbacks that have been in these um, been in the league for a while now, you know, there comes a point in time where, you know, at some point teams have to make a decision about whether they whether or not they want to keep this quarterback as the starting of their team, or they do want to go in a different direction. Now, there's a lot of different directions I'm gonna, I may go in, um, but I'm going to talk about three quarterbacks specifically that I believe have to make or break here this year. Otherwise, if they don't make it, and teams may look for another quarterback and go a different direction. And if they do make it, it may lead to a more of a promising extension of their careers and being able to be a quarterback still. So, the first quarterback that I believe is set to have a make or break year is Cam Newton. And the reason why I say Cam Newton, Cam Newton has obviously been through a lot in his NFL career. For those who do not know, he was number one overall pick from Auburn by the Carolina Panthers. When he came into the NFL, he took the league by storm where he had such great physical attributes, but also he had the rushing ability. And he was so hard to stop. He was so hard to stop, um, you know, as a as a player who could like, you know, get over you, you know, out muscle you, uh, get you with his speed, and he really made the Carolina Panthers one of the most watchable teams back then, 2015-2016. And I mean, over the years, he continued to kind of build as a quarterback. Although the one thing that kind of always stuck with him was his inconsistency in terms of being accurate in the pocket. And so he had a great MVP season. You know, made a suitable appearance. Just didn't play his best in that season, that 15-1 season they had. And so, you know, but during that time, Cam Newton's support system was also kind of tough as well. I mean, he didn't have the best offensive line, best support um, around him. He had some decent weapons, yes, but he just wasn't able to get it done consistently enough. Um, And obviously, he took a lot of hits as a quarterback, you know, playing out of the pocket, making plays. Took a lot of hits in his career, which really affected him. And obviously, he went through a bunch of offensive coordinator changes where he had to learn a couple of new systems, 
So, you know, being healthy and being available on the football field was obviously a huge challenge for him. And so the Panthers obviously did not keep Cam Newton. They moved on from Cam Newton, uh, which was tough to see because he had given so much for the franchise. And then all of a sudden, you know, just based on the injuries and how things were going, they wanted to go in a different direction. So he obviously had a bit of a tough time getting back to the form that he used to be in. Obviously, he's a bit of an older quarterback now. And just looking at his career, I mean, obviously he was waiting for the right opportunity, trying to get to the right spot. And the Patriots gave him an opportunity to be a starter uh, last year. And, you know, with the Patriots, they went 7-9. and nine, And Newton obviously battled COVID. He had some injuries. Uh, but they still finished 7-9. and nine, But his numbers were not that great. Uh, but he still kept the team competitive enough in the game. So... You know, he's had a you know, very uh, you know, tough journey in terms of like at some point you know, teams weren't signing Cam Newton because of his injury history, in terms of his mechanics. Um, but for him to get back into the league, it was a win in itself. And you know, he's at a point now in his career where you know, the Pats decided to bring him back on a one-year deal in which you know, they, they, have, they went out and were very active in free agency getting a couple of top-tier tight ends, some wide receivers, um, and they re- really much loaded on the defense as well. So they did all these things for Cam Newton and this team, uh, but still, Bill Belichick, knowing how he is, and the kind of a history that he's had with quarterbacks not drafting one in the first round, he went ahead and drafted uh, Mac Jones of Alabama, who was a you know national champion, had obviously a great season this past year in college football and you know you have now three quarterbacks on the roster you have Cam Newton you got Jared Stidham and you got Mac Jones as the potential young quarterback will be the future of the team so you look at the Patriots this year they're obviously loaded on both sides of the ball now and so Cam Newton obviously has better pass catching weapons because one of the things that was lamented about the, the Patriots in a couple of last years that they didn't have the, the, the premier talent at the wide receiving spot, the tight end spot. They were just trying to put together and be cheap, not in a bad way, but put together a team. And they won some Super Bowls being that way, but you know now it's an offensive-driven league. And so Cam Newton has a chance now where you know this is the this is the like spot where you feel like he could possibly end his career, maybe. Uh, because a lot of teams had opportunities to go after Cam Newton, uh, but they went younger and they went with the quarterba- quarterbacks that they felt were in a better spot. So for Cam Newton, this is a huge year for him. I mean, we know what he had. Obviously, he was thrown into last season, didn't get enough time to work with you know the playbook and battling through COVID. Uh, you see, he's hoping he's fully healthy now, ready to go, and he's got to go out and really prove himself. Um, obviously the Patriots know that and they've surrounded him with weapons but now it's on Cam Newton to deliver um, because we know that there's Mac Jones in the waiting in the wings and the Pats are going to try to maybe you know play it out see how it goes but Cam Newton isn't able to have a big year you know if he can't get the Patriots to the, to the playoffs you know Cam Newton may be on his way out or he may not be able to ever get another spot again. Now, I don't wish that upon Cam Newton because he's a great player, great athlete. Uh, but the NFL is so, so you know, competitive and interesting that 
a lot of quarterbacks sometimes are able to play well for a stretch and the teams still move on from them so for Cam Newton I mean he may be able to have a great year with the Patriots but if he doesn't I think that you know there may not be a whole lot of spots left for him to go to um, you know that may be the case obviously it may change depending on our team circumstances but I mean, this is a year that Cam Newton has to make it. He's got to make it and have a good season, not only because of winning, but, like, being able to, like, maximize the talent, be able to get the ball out to his, his tight ends, his wide receivers. He's got to be able to be accurate this year and have a great year. Um, I think if he doesn't, then he may not have a whole lot of spots left in the NFL to go to to be a starting quarterback again. He may have to accept a backup role. And that's something that Cam Newton, you know, has always been trying to strive against. You know, he's always believing himself as a starter, which he should be. But the league has changed so much, and now with all the new young quarterbacks in the NFL today, he may find it hard to get a spot anywhere else. And this is the best spot that he can thrive in, and I hope that he does make it this year because it's going to be a huge, huge thing for his confidence and he'll be able to extend his career in the NFL. The next quarterback that I believe is set for a make-or-break year is Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr has obviously been through a lot of coaching changes in his time uh, with the Raiders. And we know that they hired John Gruden to be the coach, um, giving him a 10-year deal, $100 million, which still boggles my mind. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people boggle, you know, a lot of people are surprised by that. And Derek Carr's had some promising stretches in his career where he's looked absolutely great. And there are other times where he just hasn't had it. Uh, the team are, hasn't had it around him. And so they've tried to build around Derek Carr as much as possible. He's obviously had some seasons where he threw great um, passes. He had great records and everything. Sort of like passing and touchdown to interception ratio. But the Raiders haven't won. They haven't won. They haven't been to the postseason in a while. And in the year that Derek Carr was really good, which was probably back in like 2016, 2017 maybe. I mean, they were a team that was really doing really well and an injury happened to Derek Carr, unfortunately. You know, that happened to him um, and, you know, everything since then has really changed with the Raiders. You know, they have obviously are not the same team on, on the defensive side of the ball. On offense, they've tried to build around a couple of, you know, weapons there, you know. They obviously drafted, I think, Henry Ruggs the third last year. Um, they got some promising talent there, and, you know, the Raiders have tried to go ahead and, like, build their team a certain way. They, they can be competitive enough, but it's all on Derek Carr. And, look, John Gruden obviously hasn't coached his best. The Raiders have been in position the last two years to make the postseason, but, you know, they just don't finish strong and you know part of that comes down to Derek Carr not being able to get it done right it comes down to the quarterbacks most of the time because that's the position that is really you know scrutinized and talked about a lot so you know Derek Carr hasn't gotten it done late in the year and John Gruden has obviously struggled to get his team to be you know locked in and to win so they've come close couple of times making the postseason they've you know they're seven and four eight and something eight and three they're right in position but then they kind of just fall off and miss the postseason so it's a huge year for Derek Carr because 
you know, the Raiders obviously have been looking for quarterbacks for a long time. I mean, it's, it's not a secret that John Gruden obviously used to have a show where he used to, uh, you know, talk to quarterbacks, coach them up, and, you know, go through X and O. So, that, you know, John Gruden has always had that kind of liking for a mobile quarterback. Um, and, you know, Derek Carr, as great as he can, he is, you know, he's not a bust or anything like that. He's obviously played much better than what people anticipated, but this is a huge year because you look at what's happening around the division, you know, on one hand, you have the Chiefs who have totally rebuilt their offensive line and made it stronger. Okay, you have the Chargers that are loading up for Herbert protection-wise, and then you have the Denver Broncos that have a defense returning with Von Miller, Justin Simmons. Now you got Drew Locke there with Teddy Bridgewater. So all the teams in the AFC West are really loading up really, really well. The Raiders addressed some needs in the free agency period, but, you know, just looking at their roster as it stands right now without looking at anything else, and they're going to have a hard time winning games if they, um, you know, can't find consistency. So it comes down for the Raiders a couple of things. One... John Gruden being able to coach better. And number two, Derek Carr, this is a huge year for him because if he goes out and plays well, it puts the Raiders in, in a spot to make the playoffs and the defense lets it go, that's one, another thing. But if Derek Carr doesn't come up and, and step up in the, in the key moments and key games this year, the Raiders are going to go in a different direction. And it's unfortunate that they, they may do that, but we've seen it time and time again throughout NFL history. A lot of teams just try to find the best possible quarterback for the, for the spot, for the team. And as good as Eric Carr has been as a leader, as a player, during some stretches in his career, if he can't get the Raiders to win those big-time primetime games, he is going to not be their quarterback for the future. Not to say that he'll be totally out of the league, but you know, a lot of teams obviously may have a shot at him if the Raiders move on from him so you just hope he's able to do well have a good season um so and if the Raiders if he has a good season the Raiders may reward him with an extension with a contract um but he is playing for his future um with the Raiders because John Gruden is feeling the heat and he made if if it gets too hot there (laughs) with the Raiders in Las Vegas before John Gruden is on his way out, he may just change the quarterback just to, you know, do that. So that's something to watch out for. And then finally, Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings is the quarterback, I believe, is he set for a make-or-break year. Now, Kirk Cousins was obviously highly sought after by the Vikings when he was in free agency. Obviously, Washington didn't want to Continue with Kirk Cousins after seeing just how the team wasn't having that much success, was struggling. And so now Kirk Cousins has been with the Vikings for a while now, um, maybe three years, four years now. And they obviously rewarded him with an extension, a contract, all those things. And the Vikings have had a very good offense the last couple of years, obviously with Dalvin Cook and Thielen. And obviously the, the emergence of Justin Jefferson last year was a huge plus to this team. And so, you know, the Vikings obviously have been going through a lot of changes. Obviously they missed the postseason last year. 
You know, it was not too long ago that they were in an NFC Championship game, you know, before. And, you know, they've struggled to remain in the picture. They've remained, you know, they've had a tough time remaining in the, you know, picture for like an NFC playoff race. Packers obviously have just dominated the division the last couple of years. And the Vikings have won some, you know, great games in their, like, time, you know, but they just have come up short as of late a lot. And Kirk Cousins, obviously, like, when you look at his stats, it may look like he's doing a great job, having a great season, which he, he does a lot of good things with the Minnesota Vikings on offense, and he plays well. problem is that, you know, the Vikings obviously have, just like any other team in the NFL, the goal is to get to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And the Vikings have come close a couple of times, but they've had some quick playoff exits. And so Kirk Cousins is getting up there in age now. You know, you got a promising running back in Dalvin Cook who continues to do great things when he's on the field. And you got a wide receiver in Justin Jefferson who really showed out last year. And the biggest problem with the Minnesota Vikings last year was their defense, which they've, they've kind of addressed somewhat. But, you know, Mike Zimmer is obviously facing a big year as well, you know, in terms of how you're going to be able to be competitive because there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of questions right now about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, whether or not he'll show up and play this year. Look at the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is there. Uh, the Lions are trying to build something there, but who knows how they can be able to win games enough. And then you look at the Chicago Bears. You know, they got Dalton there and Justin Fields, and that defense is still good. So, the Minnesota Vikings are in a spot where Kirk Cousins has to elevate this team to wins. And yes, some quarterbacks can do it all, depending on no matter what, what they have around them. Some of the greats have done that. Um, and for Kirk Cousins, I just feel like for a long time he's had quite a bit on offense. You know, he's had he's had a decent offensive line to some extent, although they addressed that a little bit in the offseason. They always had some really good weapons there in Minnesota. And so, Kirk Cousins has struggled to win those big-time games. He's won some, but when it comes to the postseason, he hasn't always won those big-time games. And so, you know, the only exception is that he, you know, he they had that winner over the Saints a couple of years ago. That's about it. But he's got to be able to step it up and do great. Uh, they need... They, they obviously should be looking at all of the quarterbacks now that come into the NFL are obviously mobile and have that playmaking ability. And I'm not saying that all traditional quarterbacks can still succeed in the NFL. They can. We've seen it time and time again. But the league has changed so much where I think you need to have, you know, some quarterbacks um, in that spot where... You know, you're able to maximize them in terms of just the ability to, you know, have that impact off the field. You know, like in terms of like, you know, you, you want a quarterback who can like make plays out of the pocket, give you something extra. And the Minnesota Vikings need to help Dalvin Cook as well. Um, and I think that, you know, they drafted a quarterback, Kellen Mond, um, Texas A&M, who obviously still needs a lot of time to develop and grow. But they've drafted a quarterback now. Um, you know, there in Minnesota. So, you know, they have some options, which they obviously they may not end up starting Kurt and Kellen Mann in the future as the quarterback, but 
you know, Kirk Cousins definitely just hasn't been pushed enough in Minnesota by, like, the quarterbacks there, you know. So I, I have a feeling that if he doesn't go out this year and even if he doesn't play well in those big-time primetime games, I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to look elsewhere. Uh, and they may, cl- they may totally, like, clean house maybe. You don't wish that happens to the Minnesota Vikings, but they just haven't been able to be there in the postseason enough. And Kirk Cousins being paid, how much he's being paid, just like, like a lot of quarterbacks are being paid, you got to be able to get it done no matter what. Um, and some teams, you know, just at some point just want to move on. So, you know, Kirk Cousins is not the most athletic guy, but he can fling the football, he can do a good job. His biggest thing is that he's got to be able to do that much better this year, especially in games, in the divisional games, in the games on the road. He's got to be able to step up and do a good job um, because the Vikings need him to, to do well. Obviously, if he does well, then Dalvin Cook will do well. Just Jefferson will do well. So, you know, it's a, it's the whole thing that he has to be out there doing his best, doing his best, getting out there um, and winning and being able to put up not only like he's been putting up good stats obviously throughout his career, but it's got to lead to something where he needs to have a good year and the Vikings have to have a good year, and that needs to happen uh, because otherwise Kirk Cousins may not be the Vikings' quarterback of the future. They may go in a different direction where they go for a mobile quarterback. They, they may have on the roster right now in Kellen Mond. They may go in a different direction just based on how the league is changing so much with the quarterbacks that are coming into the league. You know, Kirk Cousins. Has had some success with Minnesota Vikings. He's had he's been a winning quarterback for some time, but you got to be able to get it done. And particularly this year, with all the uncertainty around the NFC North division, I mean, if Kirk Cousins doesn't go out and, and, and play great and leads his team to a playoff spot, he may not be their quarterback for the long-term future. So in this next segment, I want to get into a little bit about the NBA and what some some of the action that took place yesterday. Obviously, as I said, the regular season is winding down with the NBA 2021 season. Postseason is just a week or so away. Playing tournament obviously coming up. Huge, huge ramifications, huge stakes at hand. Uh, there are a couple of big games coming up tonight. Um, and obviously going forward, that will decide a lot of the standings from 6 through 10, or 6 through 8, sorry. And it's going to be really interesting to see which teams land up playing the play-in tournament. So last night, uh, a couple of big things happened. One, Russell Westbrook is the new all-time leader in triple-doubles. Pass game, passing Oscar Robertson with 182 games. Uh, Russell Westbrook is the triple-double leader. Uh, he had an exceptional 28 points, 21 assists, and 13 rebounds just last night. Came up short against Atlanta, but, you know, just think, putting it in perspective, Russell Westbrook, 13 season in the NBA. 182 triple doubles. I mean, just tremendous what he's been able to do. And I know I've been a little bit critical, as probably everybody else has been, Russell Westbrook, about his shot making and his kind of playoff style, not winning a championship. 
but he's come a long way in his NBA, NBA career, and he made history last night, one that a lot of people probably didn't see coming, but you could just see that he's been such a special player from the get-go, compared to fire, the competitive t- um, spirit that he's had, it's just so relentless, and he brought the best of himself every single season. Um, he really turned it on. Obviously, he won the MVP. Um, he did average a triple-double almost like a couple of seasons ago. Um, and he's just been on a record pace. I mean, I didn't expect the Washington Wizards to come back from that slump that they were in. But, you know, with Bradley Beal obviously stepping it up and Russell Westbrook doing his thing, uh, the Wizards are, you know, in a much better spot now. And they have a chance here in the play-in tournament. Uh, the whole question is now is that people are asking, is Russell Westbrook going to be a Hall of Famer? And, look, the Hall of Fame for the NBA, you know, there's so many things that go into it. Obviously, not all players that are in the Hall of Fame, like, not all of them won championships. Most did, but not all. Um, but just looking at Russell Westbrook's career overall and how he's been, he may not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's definitely going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame one day just for his impact in terms of what he's been able to do in the regular season, putting up great numbers, you know, helping his teammates, having that confidence, that spirit. Um, and he just brought the best of himself. Every game, every season, he's really improved as a player. He's just one of the most dynamic players in the NBA game. And, Yes, we would like to see him have more success in the postseason, which a lot of people will probably judge him by. Um, but he deserves a lot of appreciation and respect, and he's been getting a lot of that attention from his NBA peers and coaches, um, especially Oklahoma City Thunder, who obviously drafted him. And it was very special to see Russell Westbrook be celebrated as one of those basketball players that just come from California, just worked his tail and butt off, and he's obviously so... Confident in himself and his abilities. Uh, a lot of things motivate him. And he deserves a lot of respect and appreciation for the way he's carried himself throughout the years. Obviously, a lot of people have said things about Russell Westbrook. Although they were just saying it in the you know sense of like, you know, you're a superstar player. And Kevin Durant left. And then, you know, left, you know, you know Paul George. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have been said about Russell Westbrook. Very hard to play with sometimes. But, you know, he's just really been on a historic run um, and you know he's already a champion in his own unique way in, in his words um, he continues to play basketball at a high level and the way that he's played particularly this season everybody's just in awe of how he's been able to really transform and just do these things on a night and night basis it's truly remarkable to see and he deserves a lot of respect and appreciation as an NBA player uh, who has made it this far obviously 13 seasons uh, putting up incredible amount of triple double numbers uh, assisting his team in getting victories and they putting them back in the spot where they at least have a chance in the Eastern Conference to compete to play in tournament possibly um, so that's great it was great to see him have that moment yesterday and definitely deserving of that game ball afterwards another NBA action the Utah Jazz uh, came up short against the Golden State Warriors 119-116 I mean, Utah played pretty well the fourth quarter to make it a game. They did have a 116-114 lead, but Steph Curry, as he's been doing this entire past month and recently, he really stepped up and had a clutch three with 14 seconds left in, in the fourth quarter to put the Warriors ahead. Uh, the Jazz still don't have Dominic Mitchell back yet. He's still you know, out with the injury. Hopefully he comes back soon. 
But last night, I mean, Jordan Clarkson had 41 points. He did shoot 5 of 16 from 3. If the Jazz had made some couple more three-pointers in this game, they could have won. Uh, but, you know, they just missed those ones. And then, you know, Bogdanovich had 27. You know, overall, like, the Jazz played a pretty good game. They just got beat by a better Golden State team that was hot. Steph Curry just came up big time in that big moment there. Um, he's done it time and time again every season, every game this year. You know, having 36 points, Ken Bazemore with 19. Jordan Poole with 20 points. I mean, it was a complete effort by the Golden State Warriors. And they're a team that is really sneaky dangerous right now. I mean, their chances of competing um, in the playing tournament are very, very high. And I don't know. I, I worry about the Lakers if they end up staying in the seventh spot. Facing Golden, the Golden State Warriors because that is going to be a really tough game for them because Steph Curry is just really hard to guard and he's been shooting at a very efficient rate the last two or three games. I mean, he's just been on a roll lately um, and he's very hard to stop. So, a lot of intrigue there. Obviously, the Lakers and Knicks play tonight, which both teams have a, a lot on the line in terms of playoff positioning. The Lakers are hoping to stay in the trying to catch Portland for that number six seed. Uh, if possible, uh, but we don't know. The Lakers have to obviously win some games down the stretch here. The Knicks cannot take their foot off the gas pedal. They have to remain strong and finish up so they don't fall to the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, and then look at the Utah Jazz, actually. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are catching ground on the number one seed, and I thought that never would happen, but obviously injuries are part of the NBA season, and Dominic Mitchell being out for the Utah Jazz definitely has affected the team and their standing, so... If the Suns win is strong, I mean, they may be able to get the number one seed. So, there's a lot of positioning to be decided. Obviously, the Portland Trailblazers have a couple of games coming up where they finish. You know, they have the Jazz, the Suns, the, Mar- you know, the Nuggets. So, the Portland Trailblazers are at number six right now in the Western Conference. So, if it starts today, they would face the Clippers in the first round. The Lakers could also get to the number six seed if they finish strong. Um, but... There's so many different kind of ways it could go. And not to mention, in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics. I mean, tough blow, obviously, with Jalen Brown suffering a you know, season injury, wrist injury. Just hate to see that happen. Um, and, you know, you just wish that Boston was healthy at this time, but they're not. So, Jason Tatum has a chance here to get Boston back on track. Maybe stay ahead of Miami or get past Miami somehow. Uh, in the number six spot, but it's going to be an interesting game because Miami's been playing very well as of late, and we're going to see how well that the Celtics adjust and play tonight um, based on that. So there's just so much to watch out for the NBA as they finish up the regular season. It's going to be exciting to see how how things do shake up because, like I said, a lot of teams are obviously eyeing their matchups and. The Utah Jazz, I think, definitely do not want to face the Lakers in the first round. Um, So they definitely need to stay ahead of the chains and be at number one if possible. Uh, But it's shaping up to be a very interesting and intriguing end to the regular season. Uh, Memphis is in the playing tournament at the moment. Uh, The Spurs are also in there as well. The New Orleans Pelicans are pretty much out of it unless they finish strong, but... The injury to Zion Williamson was a tough one that happened a couple of days ago. And, you know, the NBA did find Pelicans uh, GM, you know, 
uh, you know, David Griffin about his comments about the officiating towards Zion Williamson. Look, officiating throughout the NBA season has been a hot topic. There's been some questionable calls, some ejections. Um, a lot of players have expressed their feelings towards it. But to be honest, the Pelicans just haven't been consistent enough this year. Lonzo Ball obviously has played so well enough that he can at least get a contract extension from the Pelicans. Um, but they're a team that just needs to reassess and get healthy again. And Zion Williamson's health is the most important thing. So while the Pelicans may not be able to cash the Spurs, uh, they're still going to give it their all. And you're going to see how well they can finish up for the regular season. So a lot of excitement for the NBA. Play- postseason action is coming soon. And seeing the play- playing tournament matchups is what I'm looking forward to seeing. Whether or not the Lakers will be in that spot remains to be seen. But they they are... It's going to create a lot of drama, a lot of attention that a lot of NBA fans will definitely be tuned into seeing for sure. So in today's final segment, uh, today's final segment of this episode today, I want to just talk about another uh, coaching hire in women's college basketball. I had previously talked about Kim uh, Mulucky being hired as the new LSU uh, head coach um, for the women's basketball program, and there is another uh, very important and uh, unique coaching hire that took place recently, and that is Lindsay Lindsay Gottlieb um, is the new USC head coach of the women's basketball program, and this was something that uh, USC was really going after, um, you know, pursuing very, uh, you know, carefully, obviously, uh, and a lot because they wanted to hire a, a coach that they felt could really turn around the program and bring back some of the, you know, attention to it. Now, we know that USC has been known for a lot of great sports, obviously, the football and to, to some extent, you know, college football and you know, as I mentioned earlier about USC capturing the uh, beach volleyball championship lately under head coach um, Dane Blayton. And so the USC, USC women's basketball program um, has, been, has had a tough uh, you know, stretch of as of late, last two, three, four years. They haven't been able to make the NCAA tournament. Um, haven't been able to be as competitive as enough, uh, obviously, in the Pac-12 conference. So they hired uh, Lindsay uh, Gottlieb, who she you know, went from Brown University, uh, has, was with the Cavaliers uh, for these past, I think, two years as an assistant coach, as an assistant coach starting back in 2019. Um, and I believe her coaching career started back in 1999, where... You know, she worked as an assistant coach uh, for many uh, college basketball teams. I think it was for Syracuse, New Hampshire, uh, Richmond, where she obviously built a lot of, uh, you know, network. uh, You know, she networked with a lot of people, made a lot of connections. And, you know, she definitely was looking forward to coming back to college basketball. It was always in her mind, but to be honest, when she was working as an assistant, um, you know, in college basketball, coming up, ever, you know, 
in the early 2000s. She just really enjoyed the experience of working with players, going through development, certain things. And so she always wanted to go to the NBA um, and have an opportunity to be, uh, you know, at that level, which she got that opportunity with the Cleveland Cavaliers and an organization um, that gave her the opportunity, gave her the opportunity when they hired, I think, J.B. Beeline as their head coach from Michigan. He was part of the staff that they uh, had brought together. So she got an opportunity there uh, to be a lead assistant coach there. Um, and she earned the respect of a lot of the Cavalier um, you know, co- players and coaches there uh, through her time, particularly um, you know, being able to coach at the NBA level was a huge thing for her, a huge thing for her. Um, but even before that, like, She's had previous coaching experience where she did spend eight years with the California, um, the University of California uh, Bears, and she had a winning percentage as a head coach when she was with um, University of California. You know, she she obviously coached a lot. They won a couple of Pac-12 championships there. Um, I think she was also in the running for like coach of the year. Uh, and they made one Final Four appearance as well, I think in 2013. So, you know, Lindsay Goldlip has definitely been through a lot of coaching in her career, obviously as an assistant coach, then at University of California, and then straight to the NBA, which uh, was a huge experience for her, a great journey for her. Um, and she's always talked about her experiences, obviously learning a lot, being able to shadow obviously a lot of coaches uh, throughout the year, especially at some of the great you know teams that she was on, you know. So she's had she has a history of the Pac-12 conference, uh, you know. Obviously, being there or working with a lot of um, those players in California, very f- familiar with a lot um, of people there, and so. At the NBA level, she was able to work with some players like Colin Sexton, Darius McGarland, um, and like you know guys like Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Uh, you know, even head coach, current head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, JB Bickerstaff, said a lot of great things about her uh, in terms of her leadership, her ability to like communicate, uh, is what you know really set her apart. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these coaches that are being hired. Um, to either you know the NBA level or the college level, it's all about how can you relate with your players, how can you communicate, um, and you know like similarly like LSU is looking to Kim Malucky to bring her like Hall of Fame resume and her coaching experience, her communication. You know what she did at Baylor to LSU. You know in the same way, uh, USC is hoping that Lindsay Golib can get the program back on track. Obviously. Uh, her NBA experience working with obviously a lot of the great players there in Cleveland, even though they didn't have like the top amount of success. I mean, she's been there on a great staff that's been able to like see players develop and also talk them through certain things. I believe she also played the played earlier um, before she started her coaching career. She's very familiar with a lot of things um, in the NBA level, and you know you just want to see. You want to be able to see that continue to happen in a great way. You know, it's all about, you know, how do you 
be you know how do you take your experiences and you apply it forward and so i think she's been able to do that really really well and continue to do it do it well uh also with the cleveland cavaliers during this time Lindsay uh, Gottlieb, you know, she has to obviously uh, have that transition of time where, you know, she was in the Pac-12 before, and so now things have changed, obviously, because look at the current scape of women's uh, college basketball. I mean, look at, you know, Stanford getting to the top, obviously. Uh, you look at Oregon improving. You know, there's a lot of schools that are improving in the Pac-12 that, you know, USC is going to have to do a much better job of finishing out. They were 11-12 and 12 last year, which, you know, they were able to win some games, but they lost some really close ones. So, I mean, USC is hoping that, you know, Lindsay Golib can bring back and restore USC in a way in which they can at least qualify and make it to the NCAA tournament. Um, it will come down to recruiting, obviously, and so... Uh, how Lindsay Lindsay handles that obviously will be very very important because you know the University of California she was able to put together a great team, recruit well, and as I mentioned they win they, they were able to win and get close a couple of times you know they came up short against Baylor so you know that's another team that's going to be in their way and so it's going to be interesting to see how she goes about building her staff what kind of things she will do. Um, but, you know, just looking at USC and their history of the women's college basketball program, you know, they haven't been able to make the NCAA tournament as much. Um, and, you know, it just comes down to um, how they're able to start winning those important games. Obviously, the non-conference games are going to be something that needs to be, you know, USC struggled with that obviously a lot last year. So how they're able to perform on the road, how they're able to communicate and start building a good team. I mean, she's got, you know, a really good opportunity here. Obviously, the NBA experience, the coaching experience before. So she's very, very equipped to handle this. And I think that, just you know, she, you know, she qualifies for this in a big way. And, you know, hopefully she's able to go and succeed with the USC. It may take some time for them to start winning games on a better basis, but they, they need a change, obviously, um, and you just hope that they they found their answer in Lindsay Golib because, you know, we're seeing more and more programs try to go in different directions to, like, restore, you know, and be more better, you know, because for a long time, we've been seeing such, such dominant runs by Baylor, South Carolina, UConn, and I think schools like LSU, USC, um, even other schools like Texas, I mean, they're just trying to get back and be, you know, dominant once again, or at least have a chance to be competitive against those teams. So, you know, USC has a long way to climb, obviously, up to get to that level, but they made a really good decision by bringing in someone who's experienced, who has so much experience in terms of, you know, building a program, building players, and she has a, she's bringing a winning attitude. Um, she's bringing great energy and great style, which hopefully will be able to translate to success for USC so they can be a much better team that can at least qualify for the NCAA tournament and have a chance 
at it because you do want to see um, these players be able to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, you know, because most of the time they've ended their seasons either in, you know, either within the Pac-12 conference championship itself or, the, you know, the tournament that they have. So, uh, rooting for the best for Lindsay and hopefully USC women basketball program can start to you know get more and more better and at least be competitive enough to challenge and be taken in a more serious way um you know with women's college basketball and the game growing as it is you know we saw a very impressive run from a lot of teams especially arizona look at arizona the kind of year they had um making it all the way to the ncc march managed tournament against stanford so i think usc definitely can do the same thing and Lindsay uh, Goatlib is going to be able to uh, start working towards that um, very soon with the recruiting coming up and um, obviously building her staff so that they can succeed and make the Pac-12 a little more interesting next season.